Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. shift. Touch your neighbor and say, it's time for a shift. Come on, shift right next to your neighbor. Got to bump them a little bit. Say, neighbor, you're about to go through a shift, a paradigm shift. Now, now look, who has heard this word paradigm shift before in their life? Who has heard this word? Anybody heard this word? You've heard it used. Uh, And you know, I've heard this word used and I thought, honestly, I thought it was kind of a cheesy word until I really captured uh, the meaning to this word and the power behind this word. And uh, our home church in Australia, they were talking about and preaching a message called Paradigm Shift. And I started looking into it more. I said, we got to talk about that in L.A. to the dreamers, to the world changers, because there is something that I can feel it. I don't know if you can feel it in your bones, but there is a shift happening in our earth right now. There is a shift happening in the church. Uh, There have been many of these shifts throughout history. And some of you may, uh, you know, when we were doing the, the, the cryo cannons, you know, you're like, oh, man, I've never seen that in church before. And, uh, the, the disco ball. Some people are like, wow, a disco ball in church and uh, a church in a nightclub. And when we first uh, started doing church in the nightclub uh, back in the day in the Belasco, uh, they had these poles. I don't know if you know what those are for, but we found out uh, that we didn't want to know what they were for. And uh, they had these poles. I thought, we'll just chop one of those poles in half and make a cross. Amen. And so we got a wood cross so no one tries to climb up on it. They'll just get splinters. You know what I'm saying? And so, so we, uh, we, we love having church in a nightclub because it messes with people. It messes with normal Christianity. And, and, and we didn't plan this, but God planned this. We were stuck on a beach uh, with seven people and a karaoke mic. Back in the day in Orange County, and, and we, we, I got so tired of that karaoke mic, man. It kept, the batteries kept going out. No one could hear me. The wind was louder. And when we came to L.A., I, I started looking, man, I want a sound system. I want lights. I want, I want something crazy where when people walk in, they go, this is church? Turn down for what? Church in the wild? What? I mean, come on. Uh, I wanted people to walk in and realize how bad God is. And how amazing he is. Look, why should everything else have the latest sound, the latest lights, the latest whatever? And not that we're in competition with everybody else. But, dude, there is a DJ in heaven. You know what I'm saying? His name's the Holy Spirit. And he's spinning something a lot better than what we hear on a daily basis coming across our world. And and I'll tell you this. If you don't like the lights in this club, you are going to hate heaven. And you don't like the fog and the smoke and all this. Stuff. You're like, I'm not, I'm not good with that. Well, Isaiah said the, the burning ones are going crazy, man. They are on fire shouting back to one another. And then he said the smoke filled the temple. I was coughing up in there. Wiz Khalifa couldn't even hang out in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> smoke filled. It's not that kind of smoke. But a holy smoke, man, a power. Uh, and then they're worshiping this king of glory. It's amazing Jesus. And so... We have church in this club because we believe God is here because you're here. And it's a paradigm shift. It's a shift to 
some of our very natures, what we grew up in. Man, I, I went to some awesome churches these last couple of weeks when I haven't been here, and, uh, and they're awesome. They're incredible. Uh, but but I, I can guarantee some of the people in those churches would probably flip out if they came in here going, oh, my gosh, can you, can you do this? Can you have church in a place like this? And someone would freak out in a good way. Some of those young at heart people that would come in here and go, wow, praise God, there's a whole bunch of young adults that are going after God with all of their heart, mind, and soul. And they are in a club on Sunday night, not worshiping self or looking for that next mate they're going to find for the night. But they're looking for the king of glory to encounter their life. And so uh, I wanted to preach this message because I feel like our church is here now, but you need to understand there's bigness inside of me. We, we may be a 400-person church or a 200-person, whatever, whatever number. I don't really care about numbers. But I do know that there's a bigger number outside these walls that does not know the love of Jesus and desperately needs to know it. And it won't just fill up this church. I'm believing to fill up every church, whether they're in a nightclub or a steeple or a cathedral. I'm believing that there is going to be a harvest that literally sweeps the land and the love of Jesus is injected to a generation where they encounter his love to another level. Romans chapter 12, verse number one says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, somebody tap your neighbor and say, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, touch your other neighbor and say, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Did you, did you hear that neighbor? He said living. He didn't say a dead sacrifice. He didn't say a bored sacrifice. He didn't say an average sacrifice. He said someone that's alive. Do, do I have any alive people in the room tonight? Yeah, many believe that Jesus is alive, but the proof is hard when they see dead Christians. It's time that the body of Christ goes, man, to the same level they used to bring sacrifices to die on the altar. I'm going to live for my Jesus to that way. It might be simple to say, man, I'll die. If someone says, are you a Christian? Man, I'll, I'll give my life. But it would be much harder to live 40, 50, 60 years on fire for Jesus. God is looking for a generation to live for him, to offer their bodies, their life, their whole life as a sacrifice for the gospel of Christ. You are not just called to be leaders in here. Say, so what are we talking about? A paradigm shift. I'm trying to shift your paradigm. I'm trying to shift your world just for a second. And, and look, when you go to a new gear, there's rattling that goes on. You, you ever been in your car and you're kind of revving up? And when you're revving up, there's, there's a, the, the engine gets louder before it clicks. But you have to go to the next gear to go to the next level. There are some of you and me, we've been waiting to go to the next level for a long time. And I came all the way here tonight to tell you we're here. There is a shift and a shaking, and, and there are people, I could even say, raise your hand if you've been going through stuff lately. Just let me see, show of hands. Raise your hand if you've been going through the shiftings and the testings and the noise of life. Well, then proof right there, we're about to shift to another level. There's been a rev, there's been a rev, there's been, and you just hear the engine going, but we're not going anywhere. You feel the dreams coming, but we're not going anywhere. You feel the passion forming, but we're not going anywhere. You feel the fire in an altar, but we're not seeing it out there. I'm telling you this. It may be dirt right now, but there is a harvest coming that will sweep across this land. Many people are here going, man, this is the darkest hour of the church. No, no, this is not a bad hour to be a Christian. This is an awesome hour to be alive and to serve Jesus Christ with this part of our life.
Romans chapter 12, verse number, number 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So number one, don't conform. Number two, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then what does it say next? What is the, just the first word right after that? What? What? Then. Not, not before. Not, 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 not before that happens. Not, no, no. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get this. The will of God. The call of God. Then your mind changes. You're not gonna get handed what you're supposed to do. Some of us, and I, I'm guilty of it myself. God, show me what I'm supposed to do with my life. I want to see it. I want to be in it. I want to feel it. I want to feel alive. And, 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 and the older we get, the more we learn. We don't really have this thing figured out. <laughs> and some of the people that are closing to my age or older are laughing right now. Why? Because I thought I had this thing figured out at least ten times. God, what is the, what, what are you, why am I alive? What, what was I born for? And many people have died to the fact of being born for anything, except for to take up space, to collect things, and have the biggest toys in the end. But I've never seen a U-Haul follow a hearst. Yeah, we don't get to take anything with us. Everything we're working for that is not of that kingdom stays here. The house, the car, the clothes. Someone will eventually live in the house that you strive to have. Someone will eventually drive your car. And it's not bad to have things, but it's when those things have you. I came to serve notice on the enemy and say, look, there is a generation arising that something else has us. We, we can't fully understand it, but it's something unearthly, and it's another kingdom, and I am an alien of this place. Look, I'm going to have things. I'm going to own things. I'm going to do things. But ultimately, I want my life to echo in eternity. I want to fill up a line next to me. I want my life to count for something. That's the case. We have to shift. We have to shift from the old way of doing things and the old way we were and say, God, I want to go to another place. I want to go to another level. There is more inside of me. I want my life to matter. And the Bible says that first will come a separation, a not conforming. Everything in society is calling you to conform. Some of you have been misfits from the day you were born, and you didn't understand why, and you always try to fit in. I came to serve notice on fitting in. I came to tell a generation it's time to stop fitting in and be okay with standing out. I'm different on purpose. I'm not going to conform to that just because you said that was popular, just because you said that was the way to go. I don't need your applause. And when you don't conform... Number two, you get to be transformed. Then I'll give you my will. Why? Because until your mind is transformed, we cannot handle his will. I had to get set free from fear at 30 years old before God could drop on me fearless church. 
I had to rid my life of it. I had to be transformed in my mind. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't get on a plane. I didn't do anything that would have shown, okay, this is working. But in my mind, before I ever left a room or a building, I had to be transformed in my mind before I could ever live in what he called me to live in. And we chase, we chase, we desperately chase. God, what you call me to do? What am I called to be? And we chase the biggest seat in the room. I want to be on that stage. What if you were never called to be on this stage? But because your mind's not transformed, you're just going off the applause of people. And you end up in a position that you were never meant to be in. And because of that, you're angry at everybody because you're not really happy inside of yourself. Because you are not. Look, life is not a race to the biggest seat. It's the race to the seat that fits you. What seat fits you? What were you designed for? That if you found it, if you sat in it, life would feel complete. But before you can ever sit in it, he's got to transform your mind. He's got to change your stinking thinking, meaning you are a worthless idiot, loser, all the worst. What did God tell Adam when he's hiding in the garden? Adam's like, I'm naked. I'm hiding from you. Then God said, who told you you're naked? Was there anybody else in the garden? But God confirmed exactly what we go through on a daily basis. Who told you you're supposed to be broke? Who told you you're a loser? Who told you you're a failure? Is, is, it, is it the man that didn't knit you together in your mother's womb that you're going to listen to? Or the person that spoke over your life? Are you going to live out the prophecy they have? Or are you going to get with me and let me transform your mind so then I could give you my will? If I gave you my will now, it would mess you up. Because you can't handle the truth yet. Before anything shows up out here, it must first be developed in here. Yeah, everything in this room was first developed in someone's mind before it ever came to reality. Yeah, the chair you're sitting in, the shirt you're wearing, the shoes that are fitting your feet was developed in somebody's mind, imagination, before it ever showed up on this earth. Why? Because if you can't think it, you can't live in it. So someone had to think it. They had to believe it. They had to develop it. They had to engineer it in their head. That means this is the most powerful, life-altering thing that God has sent to this earth. This magic box called a mind. If I was the devil, I would do everything I could to put my plan and my ideas. I would put every roadblock. I wouldn't put it out here. I would put it in there. Because as long as it's in there, it will show up out here. Now think about this. The devil has no power. He's been stripped of all power. So how then is he destroying this world in such a rapid, fast pace effort all over? We can go down the skid row and we can see people destroying themselves, hurting themselves. We, we, we would say, man, we live in a jacked world. How, how is that happening if the devil has no power? And we have to ask ourselves, who is the king of Satan's kingdom? Who's the king of God's kingdom? Does anybody know? God, that's just one answer, but, but he has a name. Starts with a J. J-E-S-U-S. -S. You know that guy? Jesus. He's the king of kings. It's not a trick question. Who's the king of God's kingdom? Jesus. Who's the king of God's kingdom? Come on, who's the king of God's kingdom? Shout it out. Hey, hey, hey. 
Well, who's the king of Satan's kingdom? Satan? No, he's a prince. He's not a king. Jesus? Really? You are. You're the king of Satan's kingdom. So as long as you sit on your throne, he has power. As long as he, with no power, can get you. Who, who did God give authority on this earth to? You and I. Satan stole it from Adam by getting him to rule from his kingdom with his voice in his ear. Then God stripped him of his power on the cross, and now he's doing the same thing to the next Adam. He's whispering in your ear, filling your head, and getting you to speak out. He's pouring in, you're speaking out, and you're living in what you're talking about. Because it's all in here. He's filling your head. He's writing in your head right now. He's scratching in your head right now. Things and lies and words and wounds and past. And, and he's trying to get you to live your life based on what he's put in your head. That's why until we can say, God, you know what the word renew means? To wash. Some brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have some brainwashing going on. You say, well, this is kind of a cult, the brainwashing thing. No, no. God is saying, literally, I want to wash your brain. I want to wash your mind. Not so you don't have opinion, so you actually have my opinion for the first time about who you are. And you are chosen. You are destined. You are a world changer. I want to wash your mind. I want to renew your mind. I want to transform a metamorphosis from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That is the most powerful thing that can happen. You didn't go anywhere. You didn't do anything. You didn't start anything. But boom, instantly God starts renewing your mind through the washing of the word. There needs to be a generation that starts getting this thing up in here. Say, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror. I am chosen by God. I am beloved by God. Yeah, you said that. Oh, shut up, devil. I'm not going to be the king of your kingdom anymore. I'm putting Jesus on the throne. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and his perfect will. How many guys want to live in God's good and perfect will for your life? I do. You know, true success is not what you say about me or what they say about me because they got me all wrong. True success is when I'm in the center of his will for my life. There is no greater place that I can be than in the center of his will. Who knows what the center of his will is except for God. And when I get my mind transformed, all of a sudden he starts downloading plans and schematics and things that I was called to do that you may not even believe that I could do. And he starts writing. Just like the enemy wants to write in your head, God wants to write in your head. He wants to write in your head the things that he designed for you to do before sin ever came in the picture, before pain ever came in the picture, before that hand ever shifted you to a new level. He wants to show you the things that you were called to shift in this world, a paradigm shift, a transformation, a scientific revolution. Revolution simply means this, to come back to the same place you started. One revolution. Two revolutions. You say, why are we doing this? So we could get the church back to the place it started, where it was birth and power and anointing. 
This is what the first church looked like, man. They weren't in a steeple. They were up in somebody's upper room, a house party, baby. They may not have had the lights, but they had the fire from heaven. And it renewed their mind and changed their lives. That's what we're doing here tonight. I'm trying to get you to have faith thinking, to have faith living, to change literally the way you think. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, no more stinking thinking. Luke chapter 5, verse number 37 says this. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out of the wineskins and be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. What Jesus was saying to the Pharisees is, hey, I'm the Jesus you knew from the Old Testament. It is me. I was always here. But let me introduce you to the Jesus that I'm about to show you that I am in the New Testament. Look, it's not the message that has changed. It's the method that has changed, that contains the method. But if I put this message in the old method, it's so powerful that it will actually burst the old method because God's plan is to reach people, not to do it a certain way. And church has worshiped and pastors have worshiped the wineskin rather than the wine. God, you can't use a guy in shorts with a line in his head with a sick, crazy mohawk. You can't use this guy. He's young. I'm the new wineskin. You can't use a nightclub. You can't use young adults to fund the kingdom. Really? Is it you that funds the kingdom or him in you that's going to fund the kingdom? People would tell me, man, you got you to gotta have this, or you got to have that, or you got to have this, or you got to have this wineskin or that. I said, no. I just need the wine. I just need the good stuff. I need the stuff that's about to fuel a generation. Give me any kind of container, and there is a container called you that he has prepared for these last days that will present it different and maybe awkward to the past generation, but it is you. God destined you to be here. I'm going to preach different than the guy before me. But it's not the method, it's the message. It's the power of the message. I could get up here and do jokes all day long if that's what God wanted me to do. And as long as the message is in my joke, the power will hit you the same way. It's not the package, it's what's in the package that matters. So why do you keep looking at the package in the mirror and saying, God, you can't put something amazing in here? You can't use this package. This package is damaged. It's not beautiful. It's not, it doesn't stand out. It's not the package. It's what I put in the package. It's the wine that is inside. It's the world-shaking, earth-shaking power that God puts inside of you that will shift. Okay. I'm going to calm down because some of you look at me like I'm crazy. You are right, though. Don't judge the skin, man. This is my wine skin. And churches everywhere have created memorials to what God did and what God said. We've called the denominational lines and 
We do church this way. We've never done church that way. And they will shoot you or kill you or worse than a gang if you try to step out of that. We have a black church. We have a white church. We have a Hispanic church. We, we have a young church. We have an old church. We have a church that only reaches these people or those people. Look, God is doing something new today. He, look, maybe something worked in the past. Maybe, they, you know, they, we have movements where this happened and everyone would come in and everyone would get healed right when they walked in the door. So we, we think, oh, this is how God likes to do things. So we go, okay, everyone's going to get healed when they walk through the door. And we, and we start worshiping the thing that God did instead of the God of the thing look we're going to do worship like this we're going to worship for we're going to have flags and, we're, and nothing wrong with these things but when we start worshiping the thing over the God like God can only do it this way not that way we have missed the power was not in the flag the power was not in the dance or the Holy Ghost jig or whatever you do hey look if we're going to jump let's jump but let's not make it this is the spiritual thing that only God can move through maybe he's going to move through Carlos's dance or, or some crazy new thing that hasn't even come out yet said God can't use guitars well maybe the next generation won't have guitars they'll have violins and then we'll say where are the guitars we need guitars man I need to feel the worship I need sobs everywhere maybe the next generation's like dude we don't have even speakers we just play acoustic and we just sing right and when we're old and 80 we're gonna be like what the heck is this God can't move with no screens and no lights and no guitars. Are you kidding me? We need a crazy pastor. Y'all are wearing suits again, right? And we make methods. And God is longing for a paradigm shift. He's longing for a shift. He's done being there and he's ready to move on. God is not a statue or a monument. He is alive and well and powerful. The man who came up with this thing called paradigm shift, his, his name was Thomas Kuhn. He's a scientist. And he wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And this word had never been coined before Thomas came on the scene, but as he was doing science, he started realizing something that would happen every now and then in science, in the world, not in the church necessarily. He did not know we would preach this term. He may not even believed in God. But he wrote this thing that was happening because what would happen is they started proving a certain theory or fact about something and they would call it a paradigm. This is our paradigm. This is the life we live. Gravity holds you down. This does that. There are this many planets. Uh, uh, there is the way we do life is this way. This works this way all the time. And what would happen in the court of the scientific law room is someone out of nowhere there would be an anomaly there would be this moment where something shifted and this new truth that had never been seen before was revealed this new truth would be ran into the courtroom of the scientific law crew and it would be placed before the judge and all of a sudden it would start stirring things in the courtroom and then that scientific truth would have two sides the people that wanted to be stuck in the old way and the people that started seeing the new way. And the more they saw the new way and the more they realized it was right and it was what it was now, they would start shifting. There would be a war between the old and the new. And many times when it was proven to be true, 
If people didn't come along, they got left behind. This has happened all over. It's happened many times over and over and again, and not just in science, uh, but, but in, in all kinds of ways. Uh, when, when they discovered DNA, they didn't know we had DNA, and all of a sudden they built a good enough microscope that saw that every human has strands in their body that make up all their organs that's called DNA. That you get certain DNA from your mom and your dad, and they started a whole new scientific revolution. And the scientists who discovered DNA had no clue that this new truth that they had not seen before was about to change everything. Yeah, not just their thing. I'm not talking about a change. I'm talking about a truth that changes everything. That's what I'm saying is coming to this earth right now. That's what I'm saying God is about to do in our generation. A new truth that when you see it, it's going to change everything. When DNA structuring came in and the reality of DNA, this new truth, it changed not just science, but it changed how criminals were tried. Yeah, they actually brought in old criminals back into the court and retried them because they had a new truth that could be applied to old ways and it would actually change what they believed to be true. A new truth would form and people that said, I didn't do it, they're going, look, your DNA is all over the scene. We know you did it. It changed how we could accept organs. They used to just put organs in people's bodies and pray that, that their body accepted it. But now through the DNA analysis that they can do, they can tell, okay, this person can give an organ to this person because their DNA lines up. It changed everything. When a guy invented the computer, it changed everything. All right, we used to handwrite our papers. I, I went to school in the day, and this is going to make you realize how old I am. I went to school in a day where we actually handwrote our assignments, like handwriting, like like wrote it out personally. Pen and paper, and usually we did like one of those pencils because we, if we made a mistake, we couldn't scratch it out, right? I, I didn't grow up where I started typing out. Look, back in the day, we didn't have smartphones, right? Your smartphone has changed everything. You have a map. You know, I, I was saying the other day, what did we do before Google Maps or Waze? We had a TomTom, -tom, right? But, but you're younger than me. What did we do before TomTom? -tom? Maps. You would sit in a car. Can you imagine a map? Sean Lochi still does that. He's just kind of old school like that. Right? Before you had smartphones, you know how we got a hold of you? We, didn't have, we had home phones. Anybody here have a home phone? Okay, don't raise your hand. That's weird. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Please come back. I don't, I don't mean to make fun of you. But, but it really, it is weird. Right? Someone goes, hey, do you want a home phone service? I'm like, no. It's free. I don't want it. Why would I want one more place that I have to get back to people on? I have enough, a hard enough time doing text, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace. I don't do MySpace. I was just seeing if you were listening. Right? We used to have pagers. Yo, baby. Just page me. If I told my girl, hey, just page me, she'd be like, what? Who you think you are? No, no, I mean, I mean the pager. You're not going to pay. I'm bringing it old school. Like phones, we used to, the only phones we had were attached to like cars. You had like a satellite that stuck off the top of your car like 100 feet in the air. You couldn't go under some bridges. I mean, it was crazy. Libraries. Like, like when we went to the library, they had these things called catalogs. 
Like, like literally, if you wanted a book on a certain subject, you couldn't look it up on the internet or an app or, or an iOS program. You had to go to the old lady behind the desk that had been telling you to be quiet and say, hey, ma'am, I need a book on squirrels. And then she would look at you and look through her files and look and see if someone had checked out a book. And she'd pull it out, E-9247. And then she's like a, like a crazy woman putting together a mad scientist puzzle. She would find out where that book is. And then sometimes when you got there, the book would be missing. That's when you went AWOL, started really making some noise in the library. But the Internet shifted everything. Something new is introduced and then everything now has to change. Music. They say music now is free. Gone are the days of bid recording contracts. And back in the day, man, people used to, oh, you, you're a sing man. Oh, man, you're going to get a free car. They would like, record companies would give you like a free car and like a million dollars. Why? Because they could make money off you. That's why we don't have any rock and roll anymore. You know that? Because they can't pay all the musicians. We just want one person, and if anything, let's get a DJ, right? That's what they do now. And everything had to change because a new truth was introduced. MP3s were introduced, and they couldn't stop it. The Internet was introduced, and no longer are we sending letters in the mail. Like, <laughs> right? Email, what was that? And all of a sudden, when that new truth was introduced, it changed everything. And you had to make, people were losing their jobs. People that were experts who had been trained for years and years and years lost their jobs because they weren't willing to learn the new programs and the new wineskin. They just wanted the old. And eventually, the old is going to run out, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees. It happened in the church. Martin Luther got up and he nailed the 96, 97 thesis to the door of the Catholic Church. And he said, look, this thing, you, you guys all want to be priests and we want to go to you for God. But look, God has given us all access to him. And he nailed onto the door. He said, look, we are all kings and priests in this new setup. Things shifted, shifted, shifted. When the railroads were introduced, there was a man who wrote a letter to the president. And he said this to the president. He said, oh, my gosh, these crazy, snorting, fire-breathing railroads. They ripped through our countryside going a whopping 15 miles per hour. They're scaring little kids and horses and families. This will never work. Even God Almighty, this is what he wrote to the president, would not want us to travel at such breakneck speeds of 15 miles per hour. It was the mayor of New York wrote that. Wow. And look at now. There will always be someone trying to hold back what's coming because of fear, because of insecurity. I learned a long time ago, I used to try to do everything in our ministry myself, and this one lady got up and preached, and she said, look, why don't you let somebody else do something? I said, oh, man. She said, yeah, they won't, they, won't, they won't do it like you. They may not do it as good as you, but what if they do it better? 
What if there's a generation that's coming after me that can preach better than me? What if there's a generation that's coming after me that can minister to the people outside these walls better than I can? What if there's a new skin that God is forming in this generation that's about to change everything in this world? I came to talk to those people tonight. Do I have any of those people in the house tonight? 15 miles an hour? I can't believe we're going at breakneck speeds of 15 miles. I can't believe you have church in a nightclub. But one day this will seem stupid and boring compared to what God is doing in this city. Because God is shifting. He's shifting. He's shifting. He's shifting. He's adding a new truth that causes your eyes to be open in a new way, seeing more that was always there. The planets we've seen today were always there. The earth was always round. There was a point where we didn't believe it was. What truth is waiting for you to leave the comfortability of where you're at? What situation is God calling you to change in this city? I wonder if the cure for cancer is locked up inside of someone in this room that needs and is waiting for a transformation of your mind so that you can step out into the divine will of God and we will see. So, remember when we used to, people used to have cancer and there was no solve and then one man stepped up and said, I see something more. I'm going to work till I see it come to pass. There was a day where we didn't have lights there was a day where we didn't have electricity and one man or one woman stepped up and said there's got to be more what is God waiting to download to a generation if we could just open our eyes when Thomas Kuhn would present this theory to people the paradigm shift he would always use a picture picture I've had our team download and they put it up on the screens today earlier and I'm gonna have to put it up again but it's a picture of a duck. And we said, hey, guys, I want you to see this picture of a duck. And he said, or if you look harder, you might realize it's not just a duck, but it's also a rabbit. Somebody like, I can't see it. <laughs> You'll get it later. But some of you saw the rabbit even before I told you about the duck. Some of you were in the first service and you cheated. But what if there's a rabbit in the duck? What if there is promise in your pain? What if there is something that if you just step back for a second and look at that door that just closed... That relationship that just cut you out of their life. That friend that just hated on you. What if you just looked at your haters for a second with a different perspective, a different eye view? What if you just got enough insight and say, you know what, God? You're always for me. You're never against me. And so this is weird. So I'm going to step back from this picture just for a second. If I have to cock my head to the side a little bit, I'm going to keep looking till I see your glory in my pain. I'm going to keep looking till I see your promise, till I see the rabbit in the duck this is going to be a rabbit church we are going to see the rabbit in the duck we're going to see the power in the misfit we're going to see the promise in the pain we're going to see the provision in the lack of provision we're going to see the world changer in the weak link we're going to see 
courage in those that are afraid. We're going to see a generation arise that maybe doesn't believe in themselves, but someone's willing to move all the way to L.A. and kind of get a different look on some lost angels and believe maybe God, maybe, maybe he did, maybe he did something different in that picture than what meets the, maybe there's more to you than you thought there was. Maybe there's more power in your pain. Maybe some of you that have been through hell and back, I'm with you. God doesn't waste the pain. He doesn't waste the hurt. If you're still here, God is about to use you in such a powerful way that the world's going to step back and go, wow, I thought they were just a nobody. I thought they were just a nothing, but whoa, there's something more in them. They're not done yet. And once you see the rabbit in the duck, you can never go back. Why do I do what I do? Not because I woke up and said, man, it would be fun to go plant a church in Los Angeles and be a pastor and not get paid and have to believe for God who I can't see for a paycheck every week. That sounds like a good idea to do to my family. No, because God backed me up. Some of you have been going back and you don't even realize why you've been going back. God's been pulling you back so that you can see the entire picture for once. Maybe God's been having you reminisce some things, some things that you went through as a young boy or a young woman, and he's trying to show you, look, I still am here, and I got you through that, and I'm going to get you through this. There is more to the story. There is more in who you are. And we moved here to drop a new truth on a generation. Jesus came. And he died and he rose again. The power of his love showed up and it changed everything. I couldn't go back even if I wanted to. Because he wasn't mad at me. When I found him, when he saw me, he wasn't ashamed of me. He wasn't angry at me. He loved me. Can you imagine the prodigal son, after he spent everything his dad's given him, he's going back, saying, man, even the pigs on my dad's farm eat better than me in this pig pen. Even the servants have more than I have here. Maybe I'll just go back and serve my dad and thinking maybe, maybe he would accept me back. And when he looks up on the road, there's a new truth that's dropped on him that he has to deal with. In that moment, dad is not hiding from him. Dad's not mad at him. He's running on the road. Is that dad? Oh, that looks like a young guy. No, no, he's running fast. And all of a sudden, he realized that dad is not running past him. He's running to him. And that new truth changes his reality. His dad takes off his robe, puts it on him, takes off his ring. He says, son, we've been waiting. You've been waiting? me God's been waiting for you right here and 2,000 years ago he came and he said if you were the only one this cross was not a beautiful lit up thing back in the day it was the electric chair of the time no one would be wearing this around their neck like jewelry but when the light of the world showed up on him, his truth of being the son of the living God changed even that symbol. If he could change a symbol, what would his love do to you right now? He's not mad at you. He is madly 
love with you. Look, I'm not mad. I'm passionate. Why? Because I was sitting in who I was. And I had the verdict was in. And someone came into the courtroom of my life. And they bought a new truth to the matter. And I saw it. And when I saw who he is and how much he loves me, I could not go back. And I moved my whole family here to drop a new truth on a generations of people. He loves you. He loves you. How do I transform my mind? You start with his love. Let his love. Look, I'm not talking about his rules. I'm talking about the rule of love. Let his love. Look, he came to the Pharisees and said, throw out all your rules. Throw out your hundreds of rules and your hundreds of ways to live things. I want to give you one rule. Love your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love, 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 love. If you have not love, you can have the rest. You can raise the dead. You can move mountains. You can offer your body to the flames. But if you have not love, you're just a clanging gong. A noisy symbol. Love is the rest of the band. It's the rest of the drum set. It's the DJ. It's the guitars. It's the sound system. It's the lights. That's love. It makes up the whole picture. The rest is maybe 1%. And God wants to drop off love today. I love you. So King, don't live out the words that you're hearing right now. Let heaven invade you with some new words today. You're chosen. You're highly favored. You're my son. You're my daughter. Let heaven fill you today with this love. Christianity, the real kind, is not a whole bunch of rules. It's one rule. Love. He loves you. He loves you. And that new platform may feel like you're on floor one but you're really at number 11 and God's building off of everything that you've come to know to this point but he's adding a whole new paradigm to your life you're shifting into second gear and maybe for the first time life will start making sense Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? The greatest gift you could give this pastor on his birthday would not be wrapped in a bow. Would not be bought at a store, but it would be that you would give your life. You would shift your life to know Jesus. That once you received his love, that it would shift everything else in your life. I'm not asking you to join church. I'm not asking you to join a leadership or live out a bunch of rules. I'm just asking you today, God wants you to receive his love. You're in this room and you feel dead on the inside and you want to feel alive. You have things. Just this week, Robin Williams, a hero one of the greatest actors to ever grace our screens and stages, took his life, maybe because he didn't know how much he was loved. 
and he operated off of a certain paradigm. Today I don't take for granted that maybe you're in this room and you don't know how much you're loved. Today you're hurting, you're wounded, you're afraid, and you feel dead on the inside. Maybe you've even thought of taking your life. Or you don't even know what this life is for anymore. Still trying to figure it out. You want to feel that love. You want to experience that love. You want to see that love. Would you just slip up your hand from front to back? Say, that's me. Just kind of, I'm here, Pastor. It's me. Yeah, right there, right there. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? It's just like that truth of love. I, I have a lot of things going on, but I'd like that truth of love to hit me tonight in a powerful way. Right there, I see that hand. Can we all just stand to our feet all over this room? What a powerful night. Would you turn to your neighbor right next to you and say, neighbor, do you need a shift in your life? Paradigm shift. Tonight's the night for everything to change. Maybe you're in this room and you've been at the same level for a long time, been trying to press through and you want God to shift, you want a new truth to come in, you want, you want your mind to be renewed and to see who God's called you to be all over again tonight so that you can be in the center of his will. You, you really don't know what his will is, but you're wanting to know. And people are moving around. That's just our team. Don't worry about it. Just keep your eyes on me. He loves you. He believes in you. And this is the truth that we all have to face. If you were worthless, why in the world would he send his son such a valuable asset of heaven to redeem you if your life had no purpose why we have to face that every day why it's the truth in the courtroom why if you have no power inside of you why but what about all this that's why your mind has to be renewed my mind has to be renewed. I have to be born again. My mind has to be washed today because I want to see why. Why did you send this cross? Why did you send Jesus to die in my place? Why am I so special? Why am I here in L.A.? What is this life for? Tonight, you want, you want to allow that truth to revolutionize and shift. It may take a little while. You want to let it shift your entire life. You want a new paradigm to live off of, to operate of. Would you lift your hands? You say, I need a new paradigm. I need a new shift in my life today. I, I don't know why, I, I, but, I, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand on that truth. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it into the courtroom of my life and bring it against all the words they said and all the things they did. God, I want to know you. I want to know why, God. Why would you come for me, God? Show me who I am. Show me, God, that I'm chosen, God. And if you're lifting your hand, would you grab your neighbor's hand and just hold it up together? Right there together as children of God. We're going to pray for our neighbor. We're going to believe for the other people in this room.
We have four minutes left, and for the next couple of minutes, I just want you right there. I want you to begin to, to speak life over your neighbor. God, I pray right now for the person on my right and left. Lord, I pray, God, as this new truth, as this new shift, God, the dreams, the inventions, the things in their life, God, that everybody looks and thinks they're crazy, God. Lord, the, the passion you put inside them, God. Lord, the things they've been through. Lord, I pray, God, you would start showing them a different visual of the same sketch, a different picture of the same drawing, of the same person. But Lord, in the pain, they would see the promise. In the pain, they would see the beauty. In the ashes, they would see the fire. God, I pray right now, God, you would give them courage. You would make them brave. You would make them brave, God. You would make them brave, God. Fire, God. Fire, God. Fire, God. World changer. Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Shift. 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 Another level. Another level. Another level. If you're in this room and you said, I, I need I feel dead and I want to feel alive. Would you wave at me again? We're going to pray together. Would you wave at me again? I want to, I want to receive Jesus. I've walked away. I maybe never met him. I'd like to encounter the real Jesus so it really changes my life. I'm done struggling with sin and pain in the past. I'm not saying Jesus is going to come and everything's just going to magically go away. But he's going to give you a new paradigm to operate off of. Amen? Would you wave at me? You say, you know what, I want that. And if you're waving at me, would you come down to this front and join some of our team? I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to meet you. Don't be embarrassed. If you're sitting next to a friend, say, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. I'll come with you right here. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Love you, man. Proud of you, dude. New paradigm, new levels, new levels. And if you're too embarrassed to come down here, that's okay. You can stay right where you're at. It's not just this front, but I just wanted to meet you. If not, I'd love to meet you afterwards. Hey, bro, come here, man. First time right there. Didn't even get a CD, but you got, you got eternal life right there. Come on, baby. We're going to pray this with these friends. This last minute and 28 seconds. Can we say this together as a family? Dear Jesus, tonight, save me. I believe... You died on a cross, and you rose again, so I didn't have to feel dead anymore. I bury the dead man, the dead woman that I feel. And Lord, I pick up new life. Just like you rose from the grave, rise in my life. I believe that you are my Savior. Today, I give you my life in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout of praise all over this house? We love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. New love.
today you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says that your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. On the guest list of heaven, your name was inscribed today. How beautiful. And so we have a cross right over here. There's signatures on it, hundreds of them, of our team and different people that have just said, you know what, my name just got written in heaven. This is our guest list right here, this cross. And we're going to remember this cross every time we start looking in the mirror and saying we're worthless and we're useless and God doesn't want us and God doesn't love us. And we're going to put that truth in the devil's pike and tell him to smoke this. Smoke this thing, baby. Because Jesus, Jesus came and he died for me. If I was the only one, I don't have to hate myself anymore. God has called me for greater things. Amen. 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 Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Welcome to the Fearless Life. Thanks for listening to another powerful message from Fearless LA. You can follow what's happening at Fearless by going to fearlessla.com, exploring the app, or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.